You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up all you fine folks out there in podcast land? This is in fact the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast and I am your host John Hudspeth. I want to continue to introduce myself because we have just so many more people joining the show every week. Um, I'm getting more and more messages and stuff on Instagram and Facebook and everything so I got to be sure to introduce myself just because I know we have a lot of new listeners. If you're one of those listeners, thank you and welcome Welcome to the show. That's about all there is to it. Uh, My throat is a little scratchy this week. Uh, We did a, like I've been talking about for a few weeks, we did a a controlled burn over the weekend and I inhaled quite a bit of smoke. And so my throat and my eyes are still a little scratchy. Uh, I'm a-okay, no lung damage or anything like that. Uh, I'll tell a few stories here in a second that'll catch you up to why I have a scratchy throat because of the burns, but uh, but yeah, welcome to the show this week. Uh, we got an awesome guest. We got Branson Shelton coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, but a few things to catch you guys up on before we get into that. Uh, namely, as I was just talking about, uh, my brother and a good friend of mine, and uh, even my wife helped out a little bit. Uh, we did a controlled burn over the weekend. And um, the previous weekend before that, I was up there doing some dozer work, um, did a little bit of fire prep. Mostly I was just doing some clearing for some bedding areas and stuff like that. Uh, my brother actually had the idea of doing this burn because we've been we'd been wanting to do it for a few years. It just never really happened. Um, but uh, we got our dozer back a few weeks ago, old nineteen seventy one John Deere dozer. I've told you guys about quite a bit now. Um, so I did a little bit of prep work, and then kind of our main plan was uh, my brother was going to turn the cows out uh, in this area where we were going to burn, kind of let them graze it down. Uh, we also got like two inches of rain uh, on Monday. So really, we had well, our concern was that we weren't going to be able to get it to burn. That was kind of the concern going into it. Uh, so like I said, we had done some you know prep work, not a ton, because we really weren't sure we were going to get anything to burn. 
so we get out there, we get ready. Uh, my buddy Kelly was there to help us out, and he brought his drone to get some cool shots. Uh, then my brother and I, like I said, and uh, my brother had some of his kids back there. So just a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of craziness. So anyway, we get up over there, we start doing a little bit of lighting, and we realize very quickly that this stuff is going to burn way better than we thought. Um, I had checked the county or checked online. We didn't have a burn ban in the county or anything like that. Uh, my brother had talked to the the local volunteer fire department and everything like that. So we were in the clear to burn. Uh, so we start lighting, starts burning. And, uh, and we were like, again, we realized very quickly that we're in for kind of a day here. And so, uh, so I jump on the dozer, cut a little bit more fire line, uh, you know, just so we can control it and everything. Uh, pretty quickly off the bat, the fire jumps the fire line. And so luckily again, we had the dozer right there. We're able to put it out. And so my brother and I are kind of looking at each other like, hey, this is going to be a much bigger deal than we thought. Uh, and again, you know, out in western Oklahoma and west Texas, there's a bunch of wildfires going on. And we did not want that to happen on this property. So, uh, so yeah, I talked to my brother. I was like, hey, I'll handle the dozer. You handle the drip torch. And we're going to tackle this thing together. So, uh, so yeah, I, I jump on the dozer, start heading north, uh, cutting some fire line. Though the wind was much stronger also than they had predicted, and uh, we were hoping for more of a southeast wind. Uh, it was really, man, it was all over the place, honestly. It was blowing pretty hard east. Uh, a couple times it kind of turned like northeast, a couple times it turned southeast. Um, and so we were trying to burn along our fire line just to give us a nice wider area uh, before we went and lit like a big fire. Turns out we never even needed to light the big fire to the east to burn up because it backburned so well that it eventually just kind of got over to the east where we needed it anyway. Uh, so anyway, so I'm like, I'm dozing north. My brother calls me. He's like, hey, you need to come south. It's you know burning further south than we want. So I ran the dozer back over there down this steep hill and everything, cut it off there. And, uh, and then the wind picks up a little more. And I was like, hey, I was like, I need to get out in front of this thing or this fire is going to gonna get ahead of us and so i go back to the north and i'm cutting a, a trail across there and uh and i'm just kind of watching the flame and i was like hey uh if we're not careful this fire is going to turn this corner in our fire line and get the wind behind it and really start ripping and so luckily my brother made the decision to go get ahead of it and start a backfire and uh and we're really glad he did but i mean it worked out perfectly he you know started on the fire line it burnt back the other fire kind of turned a corner in the fire lane uh, you know, picked up some steam, but they ended up meeting. So that was okay. And, uh, and then he was like, Hey, uh, you might need to head East when you get a chance. And so I headed East and cut a, cut a line along a road there. And so like my goal going into this weekend, I had two little draws I was hoping to burn. And I was like, man, if we get a chance, maybe we'll burn up on top. Uh, we didn't think that would burn much because the cows were in there grazing, but they basically, the cows kind of took out the good stuff and left a lot of like the kind of more dead native uh, grasses that you know burn really well, uh, so that burnt way better. Uh, so yeah, it, when all was said and done, uh, I measured out on Onyx about 33 acres. So you know that's kind of a satellite view. So somewhere between 15 and 55 acres is what we ended up getting burnt. I was hoping to get like 10 to 15. Uh, so we by far exceeded my expectations. Um, most of this was kind of centered around the saddle that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And so we basically burnt the whole North Ridge and bowl of the North end of the saddle. We built both or burnt both hilltops. 
Um, I, I accidentally cut the fire line basically just perfectly. So on the second hill, like the Western hill of the saddle, um, my fire line basically follows the top of that hill and then curves around the ridge to the left. Um, and so over that second hill where I can't see did not burn, which kind of worked out perfectly. And then we also burnt all the way, uh, the big draw to the South, all the way down to the Creek. Um, on the Western side of the draw, we burnt a little further South, which is basically perfect because my stand is going to be on the east side and then uh so on and on the north ridge i had um i had dozed in a little bedding area kind of on the western side of that draw and so you know like again my stand is on the east so i'm wanting deer to move through you know north and south through the saddle but i prefer them to kind of do it on the western side and i think that's exactly what we accomplished and so uh yeah we burnt the north ridge the top the southern draw and kind of a little eastern ridge and so again like 50 50 to 55 acres out of the like 170 ish of the back area so overall a huge success um you know it, we got a little western there for a second no doubt about that but the fire was never out of control uh you know we kind of learned our lesson early on and after that i started doing you know much bigger meteor uh fire lines and then my brother did a fantastic job of kind of going along burning right along the edge and letting it burn off of it uh so we were able to burn a pretty big area very safely um that i mean it timed out perfectly right about seven o'clock kind of as the sun was going down uh we had the entire perimeter burned the inside just kind of back burned and slowly uh you know burn itself out uh you know went and checked on it that evening and the next day never got out of the fire break or anything like that so overall absolutely mission accomplished so i guys i I know i've been saying it the last like two weeks but i just cannot wait for this fall because like i didn't think we were going to burn anything and now we burnt 50 acres um i thought i was gonna i was i thought i was gonna be lucky to chainsaw in like two bedding areas i got to doze in like four or five of them and uh i got some sweet drone footage of the burn and everything i got my new blinds in I'm just set. Like I, I'm so 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 excited. Uh, my big challenge now is going to be getting all my blinds and stuff set up before my baby comes this summer. Because once the baby comes, and really you know a few weeks before that, I'm not going to probably get to be out at the ranch very often. So uh, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and buy some of these super expensive four by fours right now. Luckily, I've picked up some other scrap lumber for braces and stuff. But I'm going to buy brand new treated four by fours for the post bases. Um, and yeah, so my blinds will be set up, uh, probably going to move one feeder, um, and, and the fence and everything, the hog fence. Um, and that's going to be pretty much it, you know, later on this summer and stuff, we'll, we'll mess with the food plots. I would like to plant at least one spring plot here in the next month or so, maybe two. Um, but for the most part, guys, I'm, I am just miles and miles ahead of where I thought I would be going into this fall. So very, very excited for this fall. Um, man, switching gears real quick. This coming weekend is the uh, Total Archery Challenge of Broken Bow. Planning to head out there. Hopefully, I'm going to meet some of you guys out there. Uh, I'm hopefully I'm going to meet this week's guests uh, that I just interviewed. And I've had a couple other people reach out to me and say they were going to be there. So hopefully more of you guys are going to be there. I got some burning done. 
man, uh, we're already 10 minutes into this thing and uh, I feel like I just got started. But so yeah, I'm going to be quiet. I think, I think that's enough for the intro this week. We got a great episode. This is probably one of the most like random BS type episodes I've done. Uh, but I've uh, followed Branson on Instagram for a few weeks now and just really interested with what he has going on. He seems to be like your total outdoorsman. Uh, I mean, he has bird dogs, big deer hunter. Uh, he talks about how he's recently getting into, into coon hunting. Uh, so he's just kind of a dude all type guy. And so we, we talk shed hunting, we talk shed dogs. Um, we talk, you know, his photography stuff. We talk deer hunting. Uh, we talk about burns. Uh, he's, he's got a burn planning up or coming up. We had just talked about, uh, my burn that we did this last weekend. So we just cover all kinds of things. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. I sure did. And so, yeah, without further ado, here's this week's episode with Branson Shelton. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. And today I got Branson Shelton on the phone. How you doing, Branson? I'm doing pretty good, John. How about yourself, man? Oh, not too bad. We've had some crazy weather the last couple days. Um, but actually I came in today and, uh, I was freezing and my poor pregnant wife had turned the air down to 62. And so if you hear some noise in the background, that's the heater running because, uh, I was freezing. I got a sweatshirt on and everything. So. Oh man. Um, but, uh, part of it, part of it, our, uh, our little girls. Oh uh, yeah. You better. Yeah. So you better just be cold. If, if she's, exactly. If she's hot. You exactly. Cold. Yep. I keep telling her how hard this pregnancy has been on me and she doesn't believe me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, cool. Well, before we, uh, before we get started here, Branson, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about, uh, who you are, what you do and all that good stuff. All right. Uh, my name is Branson Shelton. Uh, I live down here in the southeast corner of Oklahoma. Uh, I tell everybody I'm in the corner of uh, the Kaimishi and the Washita Mountains. That's, that's what I like to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, man, I'm just an all-around outdoorsman. I try to do it all and be the best that I can be in all of it. And mm-hmm. whether it's deer hunting, bird hunting, or trapping, or coon hunting, now I've gotten into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a little bit of writing. I, I try to take pictures and just try to just try to make what I'm doing uh, appealing mm-hmm. to everybody. Because uh, I feel like as hunters, we're always having to justify our lifestyle mm-hmm. against people who do not share in that same lifestyle. So, yeah, trying to do that in the best way that I can. Yep, yep. And uh, luckily, we don't have to mess with that too much here in Oklahoma, but, man, you just hear more and more about things going on in other states, and I'm sure it's only a matter, matter, of, time mm-hmm. until, matter of time until it, you know, knocking on our front door, too, so it's good to be ahead of it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, man. Well, it's nice when I ha- have somebody on that uh, does a little bit of everything, because that means we get to talk a little bit about everything, so uh, <laughs> I got a few little notes here and topics, but we'll just kind of see where this takes us, but uh, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, shed dogs and shed hunting. It's kind of that time of year right now, mm-hmm. and I've talked about it several times on this show that I am the world's worst shed hunter, <laughs> and so uh, I know you got a, a dog you run around with, and so uh, I'd love to hear some stuff just about you know how you trained your dog what it's like shedding with a dog and then maybe a few things you've learned that you could tell you know non-dog guys that you've learned from the dog you know places to look and that type of thing so uh so yeah if you're ready mm-hmm. take off yeah so i so i have two dogs uh both my, my, my main thing but 
they're pretty dang versatile. I do a little bit of everything with them, including shed hunting, and I've gotten to really enjoy it. I used to be a awful shed hunter. I think I went through most of my early hunting years not finding any hardly to i mean i'm finding several now finding some matching sets and having a lot of fun with it um these dang bird dogs that i have uh they just got a natural retreat to them uh, i had one of them just bring me a shed out of the blue <laughs> what the heck you know it's pretty awesome i've heard stories of people's dogs doing that before uh n- nothing that i've ever had but uh so i thought well you know i'm gonna train sucker to, to do it and this kind of started did a lot of reading researching online kind of started working with them and now having two i cover a lot of ground during off season and like i said finding a lot more mm-hmm. uh you know in this time where bird season's over deer season's over in between season uh, I just needed something else to do, and it's a fun way to get outside and work these. Continue to work these dogs, but uh, you know, like I said, I went forever really without finding a shed. And when I did find them, it was just luck, you know, mm-hmm. being in the right place at the right time. But uh, a lot of people see these shed dogs; they think that they're. Uh, if you find a dog that sheds, like you walk a forty-acre patch. And you're just going to find every set of horns that's mm-hmm. in there, and you know that. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, I think uh, just kind of because these dogs, they um, they soak off a lot of sight. And man, like I can be looking at a shed with my own eyes, and I I can call my dog over and make them really work the area, and it'll take them about ten to fifteen minutes at times to find in and hone in on it. But mm-hmm. once they see it. I mean, if they, they've stepped on it and bring it up, and they got the, one of my last sheds I actually found here at home, uh, they pulled out of the water. And I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome. I was proud of that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun working on mm-hmm. Now, when you take... Got a, oh, sorry. They are German wire hair pointers. Mm-hmm. My, my dog, I was just going to say, my dogs are German wire hair pointers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Now, when, when you take them out somewhere, you know, 40 acres like you mentioned or a bigger place, um, are you just kind of walking like you're going for a hike, or are you kind of yourself going trying to go to, like, thicker areas and look for them and, you know, looking yourself, or you just kind of walk along and let the dogs do the work for you? Um, I'm definitely – I feel like I'm doing most of the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I got them out there. If I do miss any, I'm hoping that they can find them. Um but definitely not just a leisure walk or leisure <laughs> hike, that's for sure. I definitely hit that big stuff. Uh, around here, we got your cuts. Uh, I like to walk edges. I like to walk edges. Of, I try to I also I walk a lot of uh, creek bottoms, mm-hmm. you know, just all the stuff. Because a lot of times you'll find some deadheads from some dude that uh, some folks have crippled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's always a neat find. You know, the thing I think my dogs have found more deadheads than they have antlers this year so uh, and it's it's interesting to do uh with dogs and i think it, it definitely it makes me a better hunter i've just noticed you know i try to keep detailed know what's the very things i do in the you know, hunting fishing or whatever uh, and i just started noticing that where i was at in location to bedding and food when they started bringing me a couple more antlers and the ones that i was finding now 
I'm able to key in on the spot and kind of look at it off of Onyx or another map and kind of figure it out like, hey, I, I should be able to find some sheds in this area, even if I hadn't hunted it and not knowing what it is. Hmm. So it definitely made me better. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Do y'all find most of them on, like, food areas, or do you find more of them in bed areas? I find most of mine in food areas. That, that late-season uh, grocery store them, that's where I'm going to find the majority of my antlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, you know, I got a pasture out in front of my house and uh, got had a lot of winter wheat come up, so they was hitting it pretty hard. And, man, there's just a pile of them out there. Cause mm-hmm. That was uh, where there's all kind of congregating at the end of season. Uh then uh out there like when i go off on the public ground hunting uh, a bunch of clear cuts you know it's they got all kinds of nutrition coming up for them just about all season long so there's almost always going to be something for them to hit in those places uh that's what i like to key in on because around here it's not the western oklahoma hunting Mm -hmm. or like the midwest hunting style that you see on tv about where you can pick out specific bedding areas Mm -hmm. because essentially around here just about everywhere that you hunt is a bedding area it's pretty thick i mean we got a lot of uh, pine plantations mm-hmm. and they'll just all of that's gonna be bedding for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's one uh thing that makes my job a little interesting just because because oklahoma is so diverse which is part of the reason i started this podcast mm-hmm. because you know i think a lot of people even within oklahoma don't always realize how diverse it is um and, oh yeah you know, one side of the state we got black bears and the other side we got antelope and elk and so which i, I yeah. guess now there's yeah. elk on both sides but uh i do believe that oklahoma has one of the most biodiverse areas in the country mm-hmm. I, I believe i heard an oklahoma biologist say that not too long ago because mm-hmm. we have mule deer antelope whitetail uh black bear um shoot elk Elk, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, I don't know if there's any more places in the country that just has a mm-hmm. diversity like that. Yep. And where out the west and be in the flatland, mm-hmm. you know, be out there just the wide open vastness of what people think Oklahoma is. Mm-hmm. Or I can drive a little bit further southeast and be in river bottoms, and mm-hmm. I can drive north and just be mountains. So. Mm-hmm right here it's just a a neat little spot yep i even uh i had a guy on a few months ago uh who was talking about oklahoma alligators (laughs) and that was incredibly Mm -hmm. interesting so uh yeah so uh, down here and uh around little river actually uh had more more and more alligators popping up Mm -hmm. it's a crazy thing yep yep and like like i said black bears taking off our our black bear season is I believe has gotten to be uh, unlimited now until mm-hmm. you know season end. We used to have that quota on them. Yep, I, th- I think it's I'll be going uh, after one of them this year. Yeah, I think it's unlimited for archery. I think there's still a quota for muzzleloader, but th- I might be wrong on that. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I my brother and I were on a lease probably not too far from where you're at uh, a couple of years ago, and we're chasing black bears, and uh, we had we had some coming into our bait sites, but when the uh when the acorn started dropping that pretty much did us in which uh, i'm sure part of that yeah. is on purpose but uh yeah I'm, I'm still trying to get a black bear for sure yeah this is gonna be my first year actively going after one mm-hmm. i've not i've seen them before and just kind of piddled around but i've never gotten a tag and this year i'm gonna try to do the thing mm-hmm. awesome awesome sweet man um so I, I thought of this funny story when you're talking about there and i'm just gonna throw it in here real quick very random odd story but uh uh so we did a, a controlled burn over this last weekend 
And uh, we kind of did it back in our thick area where I hunt. And uh, we ended up burning over 50 acres. It was like 50 to 55 acres. And uh, once we kind of got it to where we were finishing up, kind of mopping up, I was like, I was just looking for antlers. I was like, I know we burned all this and there's gotta be sheds everywhere. And, and you know, I was just picturing this, mm-hmm. this massive set of antlers and stuff. And, uh, after driving <laughs> around pretty much the entire thing, right towards the end, I finally see a little antler tip sticking up and I walk over and pick up the smallest little match set of antler, you know, yearling buck <laughs> set ever. And, uh, I would, I would have paid anything to have had a professional photographer there to get one of those, you know, yep. everything black all the way around me and me kneeling down, like looking all serious at these <laughs> tiny little antlers. <laughs> so, but, uh, hey, yeah. That's awesome, so, yeah. I, I think I find more. A little bit of, that's, that's when you need a dog, man. I know. They'll be able to go through that burn like that. Mm-hmm. And it can be, a shed dog can be any type of dog, like mm-hmm. bird dogs and labs. They're a very trainable dog. Mm-hmm. But if you find me a dog that uh, it just has some natural retrieve to it, mm-hmm. I can turn it into a shed dog pretty easy. It's, it's not that hard. It's just repetition, repetition, mm-hmm. making it easy for them. And, you know, uh, Heck, I've seen people using uh, blue healers doing it before. Any any dog can make it, and if it's not even a, if they're not a natural retriever, you can turn it into a retriever. You know, with a force fetch program, uh-huh. kind of hard, but uh, it's doable. Yeah, and I'm, I'm talking about a burn though. I'm fixing to. Uh, I got some. I'm on 50 acres myself, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm fixing to burn almost 18 acres of woods back behind me mm-hmm. uh talked to the forestry unit today and get kind of getting the game plan they're going to come out and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that mm-hmm. yeah we've been wanting to burn ours for years we've well i mean i say years mm-hmm. we've, we've had this place for uh i think about six years now five six years um and uh, we tried about three years to go to do one, and I think we were a little early. We, like, we just couldn't get it to burn. We had cut a big fire line and everything and just didn't have very mm-hmm. much success. And then we, ha- we had the opposite problem this last weekend. You know, one county to the west of us had a burn ban. We were still clear. Um, but we started, yeah. we started lighting this one and it took off way faster than we were expecting. And so luckily, you know, we yeah. were able to control it and everything, but I was, I was crossing my fingers. We were going to get, you know, 10 to 15 acres burned and we ended up getting about 50. Um, so oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So no complaints here on that. You done all that yourself? Yep. So, uh, <laughs> I was actually back in college. I went to college in Idaho and one summer up mm-hmm. there, I was a wildland firefighter. And so uh, I joke with people, though, it makes me, I think, more weary about doing controlled burns than not because, like, I know what can go wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I know enough to be dangerous, but not yeah, enough uh, to really know what I'm doing. Um, but luckily, we got an yeah. old uh, we got an old 1970s dozer. And so we can make a pretty good fire break with that thing um, and do it pretty safely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were pretty I'm, fortunate. I'm pretty nervous about it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know... A lot can go wrong in one, so yeah. I was talking to the Forestry Service, and, you know, for where I'm at, um, they talk about the, uh, I don't know, the dangers of mm-hmm. the fire, you know, and the, if it's a low risk or high risk, kind of affects the price, but I mm-hmm. think I'm just going to have them come out here yeah. and do it th- do it themselves that mm-hmm. way. I don't have to worry about it, yep. and it's going to be guaranteed not to get out of hand. Yep. And I think for me, it's going to be like 15 bucks an acre, mm-hmm. so it's going to be awesome, but yeah. it's I've been ma- trying to manage 
this land back behind me. Mm-hmm. I, I read an article several years ago. Uh, I can't. I can probably find it if I need to, but uh, about maintaining bedding areas. If you didn't have like a huge farm mm-hmm. or lease, like some of these folks do, how do you can just t- take five acres and you'll just strictly manage the bedding mm-hmm. in it, and something's going to come out of it. You know, it's going to yep. take time, but the deer finally going to start using it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I started doing with my place, and. The past three years, I've been able to take a mature buck off of it every year, but now it's just kind of, and the deer just been pouring into it, mm-hmm. but now it's just getting to the point where it's almost unhuntable. It's gotten mm-hmm. to be so thick, yeah. and I don't really, really just have a couple of spots I can, a vicious cycle going up and down. If I can hunt it and I can't, you know, mm-hmm. it's just going to get to a point where, you know. Uh, right after this burn, it's not going to be very well until everything mm-hmm. starts greening up. Yeah, and the, some of the bedding is going to be knocked out, but mm-hmm. it'll come back. I it's think gonna it's going to come right. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with it coming right back. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, good. three mature bucks on fifty yeah, acres—that's yeah, a pretty good, good streak. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty tickled with it, man. I, was, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you pick out different spots that you wanted to keep from being burned, like some? I don't know, they just kind of held, held some natural cover for them for bedding area? Oh, yes and no. So uh, this the place we were burning, it's about 170 acres total. Um, uh-huh. And so I think eventually I'd like to burn just about all of it. Um, but I I guess I'd like to get on a, on a rotation. And so I'm, I'm breaking it up into about three parts. And so we burnt kind of the northwest corner, which I think is the part that needed it the worst. Um, and so cut a line around it and, but I'm, I also kind of did that as kind of like a little test deal. You know, it's, it's a, a big enough mm. property to where let's say that fire does for whatever reason negatively affect it this year. I still got some other areas I can hunt that, you know, it didn't affect. Um, I think, you know, with everything I've read and researched and listened to over the years, you know, I think if anything, that area is going to be the hot spot for deer. <laughs> Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. got some, it's got some, a ridge on the north side and a pretty brushy, nasty draw on the south side, two big hills. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of the best natural deer movement places that I've ever seen. I, you know, I don't have a feeder there or anything. This year I did put a little, yeah. a little bit of a, a food plot in the middle because this nice little saddle, um, and it, it wasn't really there to attract deer. It was more to make them stop, you know, give me an opportunity to shoot them. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked out beautifully this year. Um, but um, I'm basically, I burnt that north ridge and that south draw to try to increase the bedding areas uh, or, you know, benefit yeah. the bed, bedding areas uh, just to make it even that much better. Um, but like I said, you know, yeah. I wasn't too afraid of messing it up because – Worst case scenario, you know, a year or two, it'll be back to the way it was, um, or, you know, thicker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's a risk I was willing to take, but it sounds like, especially in your area where yeah. you're in a, you know, a little more treed area, uh, I think it's going to pay off big time for you. Yeah. I hope so, man. I, I love just trying to figure this stuff out mm-hmm. and just do a little bit more and just always piddling with something to mm-hmm. make it a little bit better. Cause I win, they win, mm-hmm. you know, they got better habitat, I have better hunting, so they're just, it's just no lose situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you're doing it right, you know, if you're not comfortable burning it yourself, get somebody out there who knows what they're doing, Yeah, and, you know, learn from them, be out there, learn from them, 
And, you know, another benefit yep. to it, you know, if they go out there and, and do the fire break and the line and everything, you know, that's, you're going to know where it's at. It's going to be easy to do next time. If you did feel more comfortable doing it yourself, you know, you and maybe a buddy or two. Uh, so yeah, I think you made yep. a good call there. You know, and even getting in touch with them, whether I use them or not, you know, for free, the state forestry office, they'll develop a uh, fire plan mm-hmm. for you. You know, they'll tell you the, the conditions, you know, it's best for the burn, mm-hmm. you know, what, where to start of that and kind of how to work it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty cool thing for anybody mm-hmm. uh, with that mindset of wanting to do something like this. It's pretty, it's just using the tools at hand, you know, exactly. making the phone calls. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, that's definitely something I'd encourage anybody, you know, in the state, you know, there's state resources. Uh, the Noble Foundation is another good one. We've had them out to our, uh, two of our properties. Um and yeah, that's another great resource. And a lot of it, yeah, like you said, is, is free. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. no reason to not take advantage of it. Right. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, you, uh, you talked earlier about, uh, you know, your photography and stuff. Is that something like, are you a photographer for hire? Do you just kind of do it for yourself? Uh, what's up with the, the camera stuff? Man, I I just started taking pictures of uh, going off of my bird hunts, and mm-hmm. I, I got kind of limited on my camera ability, which I started off using the phone, mm-hmm. you know, not knocking these newer iPhones for sure. They're phenomenal, but uh, I, I stepped up. I got me a real nice mirrorless camera, and I'm just, I'm the guy that's always toting it nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, got, I always carry it with me, equal just about, uh, I just... It's gotten to be something that I just really, really enjoy. Like really trying to find a shot that would uh, would attract you to really attract eyes on just kind of different focal points to it and just different aspects to bring it out. I I haven't done anything for hire. I know I've talked to some guys about just going off on a hunt with them mm-hmm. uh, and just taking pictures because mainly, I think I just want to go and do it. I've been I talked to some guys out in Utah about going on a mountain lion hunt mm-hmm. uh just be, being there to be the photographer and video or mm-hmm. it's something i enjoy mm-hmm. uh and you know one thing uh you cut out there just really for a second just, what was that last fun. part oh i think uh it's just something that i really enjoy and if it blossomed into something you know, i wouldn't be too mad about it gotcha uh, yeah yeah well i was taking notes now that i got your number if i shoot a big old buck this year i might be calling you because i'm not too far away from you so there you go. i'll give you some gas money to take some pictures for me so i uh i'll, I'll do that for sure you know it's, it's got to be a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh and like i talked about earlier uh just making it attractive to everybody or not necessarily attractive but just making it in a way uh, that they can understand it mm-hmm. you know one of my biggest pet peeves in being outdoorsman is after I kill a mature deer or a doe or antelope or a bird, anything, you see uh, a lot of more famous hunters, uh, they look like they're fixing to cry mm-hmm. holding that deer, you know, or just real sympathetic for it. That's, to me, that's, that's, that's not that's not real. Like mm-hmm. it's, just, it's way too staged. Mm-hmm. There's a way to do it and be honorable about it. Because mm-hmm. you don't you don't give honor crying over it because you're you're sad you killed it. No, I'm I'm proud I killed this mm-hmm. thing, but you honor it by how you handle it from their own. You you honor it by being a steward of the land and not doing your part for 
the environment and the habitat around it. Mm-hmm. You take out a mature deer and you try to do it as ethically as possible. Mm-hmm. And then you just try to you get all that story into one picture, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. It makes a lot of fun. Yep. And that's something I've tried to make myself be better about is uh just taking more pictures. You know, like I I bought a, a decent camera. Yeah. I hardly ever carry it. I need to get better about it. I'm an iPhone guy right now. But uh when I was mm-hmm. uh I think I was nineteen uh, I was hunting on my grandpa's place before they sold it, and my great uncle was there. He was somewhat of my hunting mentor, and I, I got super lucky. You know, one morning and shot a, a really nice, uh, ended up being a 157 inch deer, and uh, nice. and I basically have one picture of that deer because I was so excited. You know, I was yeah. all excited, and I had my great uncle there to take some pictures and stuff. Uh, I, I guess I probably had like an iPhone three or something, you know, one, like an original one, like it was a decent camera phone, but nothing crazy. Uh, but I just like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, like I have very few things to remember that hunt by and one of my biggest deer. And so this year I, I made it a point, you know, especially for the podcast and stuff. But, uh, I mean, I took the time I'd spend 30 to 45 minutes out there by myself with the self timer on, you know, I'd hit the button, run up there and get behind the deer and then run back and check it. And uh, <laughs> so I, I have, you know, yeah. 10 hey, or 15 pictures I've, by I've, myself, but I'm, I'm still in the same boat. I do the same thing and I can't, to begin to describe how difficult it's it is mm. to do that and yep. to do it with dogs uh-huh. like you're oh, trying yeah. to get a shot get your dogs uh-huh. measure, i'm holding the bird yep man if there was a fly on the wall or somebody up on the hill watching <laughs> me they see me set my dogs down and i'm running back and forth uh-huh. to the camera getting into yep. pictures and yep. there's a there's a lot of bloopers in there uh-huh yep i hunt out west every year with some buddies and they uh they give me a hard time because i'm always toting that camera taking pictures mm. of everything mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's tough to look back on mm-hmm. that the moment you pull the trigger on a, well, whatever it might be, you know, big deer, little deer, buck or doe, uh, that's just a small fraction of what went on on your, on your adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, that just the, it's the climax. It's the most exciting part for sure. And it's the reason you go out there, but there's just so much more leading up to it mm-hmm. and just so much more creating that moment yeah that you you could miss out on if you don't document it somehow mm-hmm. yeah so i've been trying to get better about it i've been trying to get better about bringing my video camera too uh it's just mm-hmm. man when you you know i hunt quite a bit come deer season and taking that camera with me every time and setting it up every time and taking it down every time it it wears on you so of course i didn't get any of my bucks this year on film but uh but that's something i'm definitely trying to be better better at so yeah yeah that's tough doing anything by yourself is tough self-filming is difficult i've about all but given it up at times like i'll take it out there and i'll try it but at the end of the day i'm I'm out there to kill something mm-hmm. like i'm out there to hunt you know i'll get pictures of it after all the time. Mm-hmm. yeah i think it was i've told this story before <laughs> but i think it was 2018 i was bound and determined that i was going to kill a buck on film that year and I carried mm-hmm. my camera with me every single time, you know, hunting mostly tree stands. So I'd have my camera arm too and set it all up, take it down. And I finally, I think it was like November 28th or something, finally had this pretty nice eight point come in, had him centered up, got the shot and, you know, got my celebration and everything. And then I, uh, I went back to the house before I went and looked for the buck and got my better microphone and put it on the camera. And uh, well, while I was walking through the woods on the blood trail, I guess a limb or something got caught in the cord and pulled the headphone jack about halfway out. 
And so, but I, you know, I didn't realize it. And so I found the buck, I set my tripod up, I did my whole interview and everything and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then of course, you know, got to set, got in the buck, cut them all up and everything. And then that evening I went back to the house and was watching all my footage and, you know, realized what had happened. And, you know, all the audio was shot, which basically meant all the video was shot because, you know, there's no reason to have a video without audio. And it, I mean, it just completely yeah. took the wind out of my sails on self-filming. And in 20, that was 2018, 2019, I think I took the camera with me like one time. I was like, man, this is for the birds. And so, yeah. so I'm trying to get myself back into <laughs> it. I, I took the camera with me several times this year, but of course that's when I didn't kill anything. So, um, I'm, yeah. I'm slowly, <laughs> yep. So I'm slowly trying to get back into it, but, but. yeah. Uh, well, cool, man. Uh, man, you know, and I don't—I try not to stop on just the, the camera. I mm-hmm. do a lot of writing too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm constantly taking notes, and I mean, yeah. I—I got an eight-year-old little boy, and I think it'd be pretty cool for him. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm old and gray, he can he stumble upon my little hunting notebook and mm-hmm. read about what I've done and why I've done it, the situation, and whether it worked or failed, and mm-hmm. maybe he can take something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so something, do a lot of writing. That's something I've been trying to get better at too. I usually keep a note on my phone of you know how many sits I do and what I see, but um, mm-hmm. I definitely don't do a journal, which is something I would love to do. So same reason. So, mm-hmm. have you done any like writing for magazines or anything like that, or is it more just personal stuff? I do. Uh, well, I have my own website. <clears throat> I've had some of my articles on there, but I do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. For, uh, oh, it's with Du Hunting Supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're out east. Uh, they're big into um, mountain lion hunting and bear hunting with hounds, and also like coon hunting. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're kind of transitioning, getting into more of the bird dog world. So I'm kind of facilitating that. But here I am with my dogs. I do a little bit of everything, like I said, mm-hmm. you know, shed hunting, blood trailing, and bird hunting. Uh, so I do some writing for them. Uh, I mean, that's about that's about the gist of it. Besides mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Man, I, I don't know why you're jogging my memory with all these other stories. I, I had a, a little horror story from writing to you. I, I had a buddy from high school who worked for a, a magazine company that was trying to break into the outdoor world, and he reached out to me about writing some articles for him. And so I, I wrote one, and it got published. But uh, I guess because I was under his authority or name or whatever, his name was the one at the top, and then at the very bottom, in real mm. small letters, it said "submitted by John Hutsmith." And I, but I didn't say anything. And then I wrote a second yeah. one for him, and I had, I had sent him the uh, the rough, um, and then he, you know, sent me back what I need to change or whatever. Well, in that time, I actually had my laptop in my buddy's car, and his car got stolen. And so I lost my computer, oh, hey. and uh, and so I just you know send him a text like hey you know just make the changes yourself or whatever and roll with it, and uh, which he did. But that time my name was not at the bottom in small letters or at the top, and I also didn't get a check in the mail. And so I was like, well, if that's oh, how hey. this is gonna go, I'm done with this. Yeah. And so so I like to say I'm a writer, but I really I, I've actually only had about two articles published. So yeah. Uh, I, you know, well, I don't have very much, very many published, but mm-hmm. uh, that's something else I I really enjoy, and I think I might even enjoy it a little bit more than the photography end of it, mm-hmm. um, and getting in touch with these the DU guys. There's a lot of us that are contributing to their articles. They was really wanting some written form. They reached out and kind of reached out to me personally, wanting me to be a part of it, and I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. So, 
Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's tough sitting down and finding something to write about all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, and especially for me, you know, I had to almost formally apologize to them because uh, during hunting season, I'm singular <laughs> focus. Yeah. I'm not I'm not uh-huh. worried about writing anything. But mm-hmm. um, I just I really I really enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. Good, very good. That's awesome. Uh, well, don't, don't let me forget at the end, I'm, I want to make sure you get a chance to shout out your website and everything, but, uh, yeah. I think real quick, I just, I, I saw that you killed a really nice buck this last year and I want to get into that story before we get out of here. So, uh, why don't you walk yeah. us through that hunt with your, with your big buck? Man, I, uh, that's, I killed that sucker just right here on my property. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew there's a lot of, a lot of folks around here had been seeing them. I had been seeing them, just not on my place. Uh, I had, like I've talked about managing these bedding areas. Uh, I have some big swaths of public land around me that are their leases, uh, and but all around, I just kind of had the only little bedding area that's close to food and water, and like those those are just piling in. Mm-hmm. It was uh, in in rifle season. So uh, I was actually leaving for work one morning, and I'm, I'm pulling out of my driveway, and I had just had the electrical company clear a right-of-way with one of those mm-hmm. big mulching machines mm-hmm. on a skid steer. Mm-hmm. I looked down the lane and then outstepped the doe. And I was like, okay, you know, it's probably a buck behind her, and outstepped this buck. I'm looking at him I'm like, you know, that that's him. You know, had not saw, had not laid eyes on him on my property at all. Mm-hmm. I had just seen him around. I had been finding some really big rubs. Uh, got just went on into work. I should like I should have just stayed there, and I was just <laughs> thinking about it the whole way. Mm-hmm. Just sick. That's all I could think about. I knew that's going in there into my bedding area. I knew exactly how to set up on them. Uh, and they're probably going to be there until midday. They'll get up, move around a little bit. I get to work and I walk up to my boss like I'm, uh, I'm an electrician at a paper mill right now. Mm-hmm. So I walk up and I, I told, told him I said, you know, if everything's running good, I, I probably need to go home. I said, Branson, is everything okay? You know what's going on? What something going on? I said, yes, man. There's a big buck <laughs> in my house right now, and if everything is good, it's like I, I need to go home. Uh-huh. Maybe. They kind of laughed it off a little bit. And, uh, I I had to get some stuff done, and I walked back. I, I really need to go. It's kind of getting to the point like I'm not asking anymore. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, like I'm just fixing to go. Well, he let me leave about dinner, and I was able to get my butt home and get all my gear on. And I get out there and I get set up, uh, and I just know, like I know, without a shadow of a doubt where they're going to come out at you know just i've got too much experience right here in my backyard and uh i set up outstepped the bow and then i could see him coming through the trees you know he he got to a point i have a rifle in my hand you know i'm Mm -hmm. setting up with it and uh you know got set up with my rifle and uh that dude it seemed like he just knew i was there or something but that doe just kept on getting a little bit further and further. He just couldn't stand it anymore. He stepped out about 80 yards, and I, I smoked him with my rifle. He dropped in his tracks, uh, got up there to him. Biggest buck I ever killed. He's a, he's a main nine-point. He had a 
what was it, almost a 24-inch bread. He scored mm. like 162 inches. Mm. Uh, got into the taxidermist. They, they, they pulled his jaw, and they guessed him to be eight and a half years old. I was just floored by it. <laughs> yeah, that is a huge nine point. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was stoked. I was pretty pumped about it. Mm-hmm. I'm really eager to get that Joker back. Too. I've been anxiously <laughs> waiting. Uh huh. Yeah, man, that's cool. I, I like what you said about how you got kind of the only thick stuff around. Uh, you know, I think that's something you yeah. always hear people asking. You know, what should I do to my property? You know, should I plant this or do that? And I, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell people like you got to look at what's around you, especially you know a fifty acre place like that. Um, you know, in the Midwest where everything's food, you probably don't need food to get bucks on your property. You probably need some cover. Right. And, um, you know, yeah. like you are saying, if everything's barren around you, or there's no thick stuff. It's all clear cuts. You probably need some thick cover. So I think you're on yeah. the right track for sure. Uh, it feel, makes me feel like I'm doing something right. You know, like I said, I've gotten three the past three years right off here. So, uh, and I'm still like, I mainly hunt public land, but besides when they, when the going gets when it gets good right here during the rut, you know I'm gonna come in and check it out for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's with the clear cuts around and the acorns around, when it comes to a food plot uh, down here, it only gets cold enough for them to start hitting that food plot after rifle season's already over. And mm-hmm. by that time, like I'm a, I, I bow hunt also, like I bow hunt all the way through it, muzzleload hunt too, but. Mm-hmm. After rifle season, I'm pretty spent. I've been hunting hard, and I need to get out there and work these bird dogs too. That's what mm-hmm. I feed them all year long for. Yeah. Um, so, so I think maintaining that bedding is just what what's doing it because I can't compete with everything mm-hmm. like like you said out that's out west. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Well, like I said, sounds like you're off to a heck of a start. So. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to do something right between it and killing coons to help out turkeys around here and everything else. Like I, like I said, I got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, yeah. Do you have? Um, I mean, do you have any kind of food? Do you run a feeder or anything like that? No. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's awesome, man. That's uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh man, I'm 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 made up with it. (laughs) Uh, man, I I really want to jump into bird hunting too, but we're starting to kind of come. Ah, you know what? Forget it. We got time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your bird hunting stuff? (laughs) Yeah, so you know, uh, down here in southeast Oklahoma, uh, it's not Oklahoma is a well-known place for quail hunting, but just Mm -hmm. not southeast Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of it's going to be out west. I like to get out there in the. um, was it Sandy Sanders and areas like that? Mm-hmm. But uh, down here, just awesome. And I've grown up. My grandpa was a big time dog trainer, and back back in the day, uh, you know, it wasn't nothing for him to go out and get a limit of birds in just a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think I've hunted all season long, and I might I I don't think I even killed a limit, mm. but. Um, I, I go up there and I find them and man, it, you know, it's a lot of fun it's working these bird dogs. There's just nothing like it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a type, there's hunting and then there's hunting with a dog and it's just completely different and it just opens it up. It just makes it so much more. There's just so much more to it, you know, cause you're training that dog up. But, uh, you know, unfortunately we don't have a lot of he- here. So I do a lot of traveling um mm-hmm. i typically go to south dakota and hunt pheasants i'll hunt i try to go out to western oklahoma when i can mm-hmm. 
I've been to Kansas, Nebraska. You know, I go all over the place working these bird dogs. Mm-hmm. But the bet to me, even though I know I'm not going to kill the most, the best bird quail hunting is out here in Oklahoma. There's it's it's hard. You know, it's mm-hmm. thick. There's, it's through a lot of timber. Mm-hmm. But the bird numbers are really they're really starting to come up. I think the most I've done this year, I moved uh, five coveys, I believe, in one day. Mm-hmm. You know, to a lot of guys, I think going to be nothing. But I'm man, I'm proud of that for right here in our area. Uh-huh. Uh, there's nothing quite like a covey rise <laughs> right there in a clear cut or in a, some thick timber. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, you know. The birds keep, bird numbers keep getting better and keep getting better. Who knows? It, it might even be like it was back from there. My grandpa and my dad was hunting. Mm-hmm. And that would be pretty awesome. Yep. Man, we've seen, I've seen one quail on my brother's driveway where I hunt now. And then I saw one mm-hmm. small covey probably four years ago. And my brother's seen one covey. So, I mean, they're definitely not there in huntable numbers. But, you know, every once in a while yeah. you see a little glimpse of them. <laughs> And uh, I'm hoping yeah. with some of the stuff we're doing, we might get those numbers up. Uh, yeah, we're we're short on quail, and we're also short on turkey uh, at that place. Yeah. Um, well, you and, know, uh, I think <laughs> you might need a, a friend like myself to come out there and start coon hunting, because My- <laughs> what I'm reading, the coons are what's, what's hurting our quail. Yeah. I think quail and turkeys both are just very relatable. They just mm-hmm. kind of go hand in hand, because, mm-hmm. you know, they're both ground-nesting birds mm-hmm. uh, and coons and possums. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, those meso predators are the ones that are supposedly really hurting our population. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and I don't, uh, down here, I don't do very much killing myself just because mm. there's, I, I, to me, I still feel like there's not enough for me to kill. But yeah, you know, if I if I move three or four coveys, yeah, I'll kill one out of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, I killed, I well, heck, out of the whole season, which starts starts right after rifle season and it ends uh, in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. I might have killed eight, eight or ten birds. Mm-hmm. You know, and a, a daily limit is twenty, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so that gives you any idea just how <laughs> how bad it is. But yeah. it is getting better. Yeah. I think there's doing a lot of good things. Um, mm-hmm. Quail Forever. You know, they're doing a lot of good things around here. Mm-hmm. I think they're as well out west. Yeah. It seems like a lot more people are kind of becoming aware of, you know, the struggling numbers and doing more to help them. Uh, I've done a little mm-hmm. quail hunting. Uh, the guy, one of my good buddies, um, he's got a place out in the panhandle of Texas. It's, we're actually headed there next weekend, do some turkey hunting. Uh, but uh, when mm-hmm. we were in high school, they were just overrun with quail. And we didn't have dogs. We'd just get out there and, you know, go walking and, you know, kill five mm-hmm. or ten, ten apiece. And, uh, <laughs> quail hunting with no dogs is about the scariest thing you can do because you're just walking <laughs> along and out of nowhere, you know, they bust right in front of your feet and, uh, it takes two or three cubbies before you're, you know, eventually you get the reaction when you hear that noise to get your mm-hmm. gun up. But those first, you know, that first cubby or two, they're long gone by the time you get your wits about oh, you yeah. realize you need to shoot. I'll tell you, like, I'm, I'm very confident in my woodsman skills, but it all goes to the wayside whenever I'm slipping in uh, to my deer stand mm-hmm. and I bust a cubby of quail. Man, it, <laughs> it gets me every time. I'll uh-huh. I'll never not get that rush from it. Uh-huh. Gotcha. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, cool, man. Well, I think we're coming up here on time, but like I said, I want to make sure I give you a chance to to shout out all your stuff. So where can people find you on Instagram and online and everywhere else you got? Yeah, uh, look me up on uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm most active on there. Uh, Three Rivers Outdoors, okay. Uh, my name is Branson Shelton. Uh, I think they can look me up on that, too. I have a website, which is also Three Rivers Outdoors, okay, but uh, most of my stuff is going to now be with DU Hunting Supply, and they're real active on Instagram also. Um, i got several articles with them where I'm a contributor there. Uh you know, hope just mainly I write stories about or articles for about training, hunt, hunting adventures, uh, and every now and then I'll be some articles about deer hunting or and coon hunting. Um, I have a lot of pictures on my Instagram, a lot of dog work and a lot of archery, and you know just out here having fun with it. But uh, that's where main main two places to find me on is going to be the Instagram and DU Hunt Supply. Perfect. Perfect. All righty. Well, Branson, I've really enjoyed this. We kind of went all over the place, but I, I had a feeling that's where we were going to go. Yeah. Uh, so no complaining here, and I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, I enjoyed it. <clears throat> awesome. Well, you have a good one, and we'll talk to you next time. I appreciate it, man. And just like that, another episode in the books. Thank you, Branson, for coming on and sharing your passion of the outdoors. I hope this inspires somebody out there to get out there outside sometime coming up soon. Uh, Man, it's springtime, guys. The weather's getting beautiful, even though we've had some crazy storms. In between the storms, it's beautiful. Man, get out there, do some fishing, do some hunting of some kind. At very least, get out there, shoot your bow, shoot your gun, shoot your muzzleloader, slingshot, trad bow, whatever you got, get out there and shoot it. Just enjoy this great creation that God has given us. So that's going to do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I'm so excited that I just get to come here and talk to you guys every week. So the, the show is continuing to grow. Again, that's because of you guys. So continue to share it. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, email, whatever you got. And until next week, I will talk to you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. <laughs>